The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. We've got another podcast episode and my co-host Brandon is with me as usual. Uh, today we have Ryan Klackner of the label Moonlight Cypress Archetypes, uh, as well as a number of projects. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Hello, yeah, thanks. It's great to be here with you. Um, so we're going to go through, obviously, uh, the label and talk about a bunch of your projects. Uh, but just firstly, do you want to tell everyone sort of a little bit about you and, and Moonlight Cypress Archetypes? Yeah, so Moonlight basically is an umbrella that will kind of serve as an um, ever-expanding brainchild uh, to harbor these projects, which are really largely hard to describe and don't really sit very well in any formal genre, but they are loosely connected by three main pillars, which would be metal. Black metal is probably more obvious, but it's not in any way exclusive to black metal. Then we would have country music, which would probably to a metal listener be the most obvious thing that stands out to them. The breakdown is for me gonna lean a little bit more towards what we call old time music. Um, here, which would be, you know, he would recognize it like the banjos in Primeval Well and stuff like that. Um, so not specifically country music in, you know, maybe you would think a Johnny Cash context, but then again, it's not, not that either because Stumptail definitely goes hard in that direction. Uh, so it, like, for, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, you know, the band, uh, Panopticon. Yeah. Yeah, like with the, the combining the more extreme stuff with that sort of country banjo uh, music from the south. Yeah, yeah, like that is probably a little bit more in a, they're almost doing something where it's like folk, like right. a generalized folk on instruments that are associated with American old time music. Whereas it's like something like Primeval, for example, is literally just lifting melodies straight out of that world and then recontextualizing them. Um, and also occasionally using the actual instrumentation. Whereas Stumptail is like, it's straight up like Jerry Reed country music at times, like a, mm-hmm. a direct, obvious nod to him. Um, so there's two. And the third uh, kind of pillar, if you will, would be, you know, again, as loosely as the other two, jazz, um, and specifically more modern kinds of jazz, like Spintria, for example, like uh, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, right. Like just total free jazz, for lack of a better term, even though it's obviously pretty spread out and extended from that actual root source. But mm. I mean, what 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 would I call it though? You know, like if right. I was to tell a stranger, yeah, it's like you know, it's avant-garde metal. Like, <laughs> but what is what is <laughs> that like- even? What does that even mean anyway? Like, like I mean, you know, for people that are over 35, that means one thing. And for internet kids, that means something else altogether. And I don't know what it means to either of those people anymore, you know? Right. So. But yeah. You had that jazz in Arcade Narrow as well, in a different form. There, It's in it in all of it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, I, okay. So, okay. 
here's here's an idea that really sank into my head uh, and became very important to me somewhere early on in the writing process. And that idea was to utilize that vocabulary and that genres, uh, what you would, what some people anyway would call musical information. All right. And put that in a different context so that it doesn't come out sounding like prog metal, prog rock, whatever. All right. So I avoid that like at all costs, but it is absolutely like a part of what we're doing. Like my Mm -hmm. writing, my playing, it's just jazz, but I like, I buried it so that it doesn't come out having a, a prog feel. It's just kind of like really weird. Hard to describe. It's good. Yeah. It's like, you know, like John Coltrane and Ornette Coleman did acid and then like started playing the Ouija board. And then have, have either of you ever heard that, um, that YouTube mashup that some psycho made a few years back where it was like late era Coltrane superimposed over a sun song? No. The drone, no. Sun, the drone. I mean, dude, it's like, it's like a 15 minute. They were like perfectly timed together. And I first heard it six or seven years ago. And I was like, this is like, this is like life changing. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Oh, it's, yeah. it's got like a 2 million views on it now wow. because so many people were like, man, this is like brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, and of course there's bands like Imperial Triumphant and, um, yeah. And gore guts and like whatever, like there's there's been people who have taken that kind of shit. And I feel like it airs towards the, you know, classical side or specifically modern classical or 20th century classical contemporary music, whatever you want to call it, new music. Um, And there I, I don't really feel like somebody took an actual just straight up like 1960s and beyond jazz vocabulary and really successfully integrated it into metal i don't think anyone ever did it with country music either and i don't think anyone was foolish and crazy enough to come along and try to merge all three of them but somewhere along the line that that idea got into my head and it has just uh for better or worse uh taken over my life basically you you have um Listen to uh, Escape and Wormlust. You got to check that out. I have listened to some of it, but it's been a while. Um, I remember some of that stuff coming out a few years back, but um, yeah, it's up, it's up your alley, I think. Mm-hmm. I was going to say your uh, your output's been pretty prolific in a very short period of time. So I wanted to kind of ask, yeah, have these been projects you kind of had in the works in your mind for a long time, or was it just like? one idea comes along and that's what you put out. And then the next one, and then the next one, just as it flows. I had the idea um, for Stumptail starting, man, like close to 20 years ago. I'm 38. I graduated college in 05. And when I was still in school, I can remember drunkenly walking to the bars and kind of brainstorming some of this shit um i remember you know okay so i was a jazz major in college that i was I'm a music major and um i remember getting you know people like at my house partying and thinking that this like changing cds business like it, it takes too long and like you need to do this 
somebody needs to come along and like make this stuff come together. Um, so, okay, so that one, to answer your question, has been kind of sitting there and germinating for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Primeval Well is a few years older, a few years old now. And then the other ones, like Vile Haint, that came together right in the beginning of the pandemic. And Arcane Marrow, it, it basically was just like a pile of riffs that some of them were dissonant and some of them weren't. And I realized that I was kind of painting myself into a corner that I didn't necessarily want to get stuck in of, you know, the most just experimental possible shit. And I wanted to see if I could like, you know, write a riff, like an actual fucking riff and not um, only operate in really just super dissonant out there kind of spaces, if that makes sense. Um, So I kind of just saw them as an AB. They started at the same time. It's the same people. It's just me and and my drummer, Zach. And um, we recorded them both like a year ago in the pandemic. And we actually recorded a second Vile Haint album, which we'll release on Moonlight next year sometime. Um, And then we did Primeval after that and Devil's Looking Glass, which is a a, kind of loosely solo thing it's it's just me but uh so i guess it's not loosely solo it is solo but i'm not gonna call it like a solo project you know what i mean like i hate all that shit and i hate that term project too by the way it's like that has nothing to do with this it's just some weird pet peeve of mine like i can't say project without quotations doing quotation hands (laughs) yeah Um, i feel like it's one of those things where people use it for lack of a better term it's like uh if it's less than two people, it's a project type thing. Otherwise, it's a band. Right. Yeah. I, I'm the same way with the compilation. I feel like it seems so cheesy. Right. You know, like, oh, they got the compilation album, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, yeah, like, what else do you call it? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like a buzzword thing. I have this, like, unreasonable hatred for buzzwords. Um, I, I don't know. It's just It's just a thing. Um, I feel like it's kind of the same with the terms avant-garde and prog as well. It's, it's, those are like blanket terms people use to describe music that they don't know how to quite put into that, it. That, but it becomes kitschy and popular, and then it generates these really annoying internet buzzes that, um, I don't know, the, the, the whole... It, I, I feel like people are prone, it's a human nature tendency to, to go towards buzzwords, but it's even more so now with the internet. It's just become kind of an absurdity at some time uh, you know in some ways but anyway i digress badly um so we spent okay so god i am just i have to apologize i'm like hideously long-winded a lot of the time it's okay um uh you know that's why all the songs are like 10 fucking minutes you know what i'm saying like that's okay me being long-winded like that's why spintria had to exist because I just was like, I need to be able to, like, I have to have a thing where I can just do these like four minute long guitar solos. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I can actually get out everything that I'm trying to, but also, I mean, you know, that is also why there's just so many bands because it's like, okay, I could like make, I could just like call Moonlight Cypress Archetypes a band and just, you know, put out, a different sounding album for every 
every album and, and no one will ever know what it is or what's coming or whatever. But I just felt like it would actually help me organize my thoughts if I could um, attempt to tailor them to certain specific themes that have nothing necessarily to do with genre so much as noticing similarities in uh, any given set of riffs. Like, for example, I do think, and I could just be, you know, blowing smoke up my own ass, but I do think that Vile Haint and Arcane Marrow sound considerably different while still both obviously being black metal bands. Um, and I do think that they are both pretty rigorously distinct from Primeval and certainly from Stumptail. So, it, you know, like... Um, also last year with the, the pandemic happening a year and change ago, I, for the most part, lost my jobs and just was able to actually just sit down and write, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know how things were in England, but here it was like just very much like total pandemonium. Nobody really knew, knew what they, I mean, they definitely still don't know what to fucking do, but back then it was new, you know? That's uh, that's the exact same scenario that our site was born out of because I'm actually living in San Diego oh. and uh, I went through the green card process uh-huh. uh, st- starting April last year, which was like the worst timing in history to immigrate. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I couldn't work right through from April last year to April this year. Um, yeah. So it's like I have to create something and that's how this, this all happened. Right. That's, um, well, okay. So we had we had talked about starting some kind of record label thing four or five years down the line or whatever. But it just, you know, as you said, it just kind of happened. It just uh, fell apart. The world fell apart and something something else fell into my lap. Uh, There was a lot of music. There was a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of, I I have a a lot of energy. I have a hard time sitting still. so it just kind of fell in place. And I mean, to be clear, uh, guys, I like, I didn't know how to use a computer last year. Okay. <laughs> like I didn't know how to get into zoom to do this. Cause I'm kind of a tech dunce, not kind of like I'm a complete total tech dunce. Um, so this whole year has been kind of a massive learning curve in terms of learning about marketing, recording, you know, like I realized that at a certain point we'd had a bunch of albums recorded, like, Vile Haint and Arcane Marrow, whatever else, Primeval and Devil's Looking Glass, like all that shit was done by the fall, like a, a, almost a year ago. And I it was like, I remember having to be like, I, I don't actually know how to put this on the internet. <laughs> like, I don't know how to give this to people. Like, I don't know how to place an order. Like, I don't know, you know, like graphic design, like, well, oh man, it, it's been kind of a lot. It's been pretty insane trying to... Um, that has been much, much, much harder and more taxing and stressful than writing and recording music, to be completely honest with you. Are you um, making your own art and all that stuff, like for your your Yes. Design? Yeah, we've done it all. We've done everything ourselves. That's sick. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic, and you got a yeah, lot of variety. Thanks. That. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, we just, like, like so... Like primeval was kind of set in stone. Like we, there was like a little bit of branding kind of thought there already, but like, I like Stumptail, 
Like Stumptail, if you look at the social media pages between the two and just A, B them, it's, you know, Stumptail's like everything is just it, it's sort of similar, uh, but it's it's more focused on like literal country. I don't know if tropes is the right word, but that sort of thinking, like just kind of, you know, these are like scenes of Knoxville, like right here, like what's just right around South Knox where I live and just the kind of shenanigans that people get up to around here. Um, and it, it's all very summery, like it's summery, like the, the season of summer. Um, Cause that's just what the music sounds like to me. I just kind of think of it as like the daylight version of primeval well, and it has a definite surreal element to it, a kind of surrealist, uh, which I, I kind of feel like is sort of prevalent in all of it. Like it's like, I actually really felt like calling this, any of this shit avant-garde was like really kind of doing it a disservice. Um, and that really a, a better, term for all of it is surrealist but like in terms of like how do you explain that to somebody because uh, yeah. people are so attached to the hallucination that a word creates in their mind they're so dependent on that that if you said surrealist black metal they would think of monet paintings and burzum and they would go ah like, I can't, I can't handle it, you know? Uh, there'd be no, either that or, like, maybe they would think of David Lynch or something like that, which somebody, I, uh, I can't remember, somebody somewhere along the line said, compared one of these albums in some loose way to David Lynch, and I thought, man, that, that actually is really brilliant because that, that kind of is unintentionally what's happening, this sort of, nightmarish weird take on america you know what i mean um mm -hmm. and american things but anyhow and uh he also everything he did was always very unique and different as well throughout his career so i mean there's that comparison too i guess yeah and very american but very surreal and and not tainted by a lot of bullshit either mm -hmm. uh even in the surreal elements there, there isn't any, there doesn't seem to be a value judgment or like a, hey, look at me, I'm making this cheeky statement about my fucking country because I'm so fucking clever or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, like, this is it. This is like Twin Peaks, for better or worse. And also, they do this really weird shit out in the woods, <laughs> you know? No, I have never actually watched Twin Peaks. I think mm. I feel like I've done myself a disservice by not doing so. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I haven't. I, I watched, I've gone through the whole thing twice and seen a bunch of the movies. And it's, for me, I love them. Like, I get totally lost in, in pretty much everything I've seen from him. But I just think, I think he's a very interesting person. Like, I've watched documentaries about him too. And I just, like, I do relate very much to his general attitude, uh, which in a way is hard to grasp, but at the same time is very productive and, and doesn't, as far as I can tell, seem to have any given agenda other than to create mm -hmm. and to just let whatever is in his imagination come out. And it just kind of spills out into a, 
somewhat 1950s ish, but also somehow equally modern American. It's it's almost like a kaleidoscope, like in slow mo or something. You know, uh, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it that's sort of how it registers in my mind. So just uh, touching on something you mentioned before about how mm-hmm. each project sort of has its own essence. Yeah. Um, I, I did actually notice as well, like when you go through the Bandcamp profiles for each one, it's not just like the artwork, the whole feel from the pictures down the sides to the logos to the color schemes. Yeah. Everything has a very unique, uh, like standalone feeling to it, which I like. I mean, I appreciate that. It kind of captures the essence of the project itself. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest again with you, I do them like a half an hour before the album drops. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know what colors I've used yet and which ones I haven't. I'm going to, I just throw that stuff up there and compare it to the other ones. Um, like Spintria, for example, like I kind of went with that red, red wine-ish sort of color. And, you know, the, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it, a Spintria is a brothel coin from ancient Rome. So okay. that's why we went with that image in the logo. Um, and yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. <laughs> are you a, uh, are you a bit of a history buff or? I think that that would be somewhat grandiose if I said yes. Um, <laughs> I am definitely a person who is very interested in history though i wouldn't say that i know very much about it if that makes sense okay and uh like what, what sort of areas are you like interested in obviously uh, rome seems to be one of them anything else that sort of captures your interest oh yeah earlier early america and um pre pre-christian europe for sure and any kind of world mythology particularly um any sort of tales that I can find from any place around the globe that has some sort of polytheistic nature, okay. which largely is, it, it really is all of them. So I guess you could say comparative <laughs> mythology and comparative religion. Mm-hmm. Do you have I, um, any favorites uh, to recommend? Uh, books or? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I started with this stuff the same way a lot of people do, which is with Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. who I think for Americans and modern people in general is, is a great place to start because he's easy to read. Um, it's not taxing generally to read it. It's like pretty exciting and you can kind of get a feel for the myth itself and the stories themselves. And then I also, when I'm done working at night, a lot of the time I'll just watch some kind of history documentary or whatever on uh, Netflix or prime or whatever. Like I'm watching this one now, that's about early America. Um, and I wouldn't call it a documentary by any means it's on Netflix. So, you know, you get to treat it like it's at least 50% bullshit, but it's still, I would say that I probably am not so much a history buff as much as I seek these. They're like, myth is a really interesting area. Um, you know, you, you can focus on the historical aspect of all of that shit until the cows come home and nothing about the myth itself will really present itself to you until you can find some way that it relates to you in your personal life. And you find the animating principle, the the energy behind it. Um, And I feel like that's where the the whole idea about calling this thing, this label, 
archetypes like that's kind of misleading you know what i mean that's but that's like a also a nod to carl jung and um archetypal psychology which is a, a thing that was founded by a post-jungian psychologist named james hillman and the whole subject of what archetypes is is like vast and confusing and i also don't feel comfortable saying i know a lot about it i look mainly not so much for to history as a scientific discipline as much as something that's going to inspire me to write and move me as a human. Um, and I feel like that's what mythology does. And it's practically given for me anyway, at this point that any myth that I read from anywhere around the world will set something off in my imagination and like very well could just lead to more writing, mm-hmm. which at this point writing is like, it wasn't always about the writing. I was like, I spent a lot of time being completely obsessed with guitar playing and wanting to be, you know, a hot shit guitar picker. Um, uh, that has kind of largely left, it seems, and it's switched to writing and the like mythology, history, and particularly where they kind of come together seems to like really excite that. It's also, you know, somebody like, lynch like there's there is a definite 1950s mythology of america you know like i think we all kind of can can conjure up images pretty quickly of what that means so like that's something you know that he uses whereas for me it'd be something more like you know stories about the south or about new york jazz or about um pre-christian european stuff or whatever and they they because this is all in my imagination i can merge them together it doesn't have to be real it doesn't have to be quote-unquote historical does that make sense yeah like none of this none of this is real like in in like a well this is real black metal or this is real country or this is real jazz or whatever like none of it's real that shit's done the 20th century is done that shit died in the 20th century you know like i i don't want to be like the bearer of bad news, but like it's gone, you know, it, that stuff's gone. I think as far as I can tell, you know, like, like yeah. the conditions that created it are gone. Right. The, that place, that time is done. Yeah. I mean, the like blues, there like, were very specific factors that were involved in forging each of those genres in their birthplace. Yeah. And most of the time, the people who were involved have no problem constantly fucking reminding you of that and constantly yeah. reminding you that it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you see that especially a lot with black metal musicians from the '80s and '90s, and I've seen so many interviews with people from those bands saying black metal's dead, and what you're playing now is a mirror imitation type thing. So that's that. It's it's jazz. I mean, people have been saying jazz is dead for 50 years now, like since free jazz. They're saying they've been saying free jazz killed jazz since the like night like mid '60s, and they're probably right. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's still a lot out there. Like I don't know. There's <laughs> I've had this discussion with a few people and some people disagree with me. Some people agree. I'm probably going to annoy some people saying this, but I feel like hard rock in the eighties killed rock and roll to some extent. Like <laughs> you had the sixties the and seventies was that constant progression and pushing the boundaries. When you look at yeah. stuff like prog rock from back then and like psychedelic rock and art rock and all that stuff. And then you hit hard rock in the eighties and you get stuff like guns and roses and, um, am I thinking of uh, shout the devil, Motley Crue and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm. the creativity and the boundary pushing just completely goes out the window. And you've just got all these bands. Cocaine are, and beer. Yeah, yeah right. Well, it's, it's like they're all chart toppers, but all of them sound the same. And there's no, like, real difference between them. And then it, it becomes the most popular genre in the world. It explodes. Everyone's listening to it. And then it kind of just starts to crumble. 
and then hip hop starts to rise and hip hop's yeah. the genre, like the boundary pushing genre. And that's what a lot of people shift over to that. Cause like, well, they're doing something exciting and interesting. But I saw a really interesting article as well with uh, Jay-Z who yeah. um, said that grunge actually held hip hop back culturally um, about, about three or four years with like Nirvana in particular hip hop was on the rise. It was starting to become the, uh, the dominant genre in radio, I guess, or popular music. And then mm-hmm. grunge happened. And people just became obsessed with Nirvana sound. Um, and then once Kurt Cobain died and that popularity died down with grunge and that kind of faded out, then hip hop kind of took its place as, I guess, culturally one of the most dominant uh, genres. But I mean, like, it's, it's a complicated mm-hmm. topic because genres don't die, genres don't go away. It's just there's a waning, like, you know, it, it's an ebb and flow of popularity. Um, but I thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. take, at least. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, in the rise of rock, largely had to coincide with the, you know, cultural, uh, popular level uh, death, if you will, of jazz, because prior to that, it was, jazz was rock, right? So you had um, people, you know, back in the 50s and 60s that, you know, Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, they were as famous as Elvis at one point, and they were like, what, you know, when when Elvis became gigantic, it was like a what what is this? Like, what is this? This is garbage. How, like what? I also, I can't personally, and you're obviously free to disagree and see it otherwise, but I just personally cannot help but see it as like a, just a long-term slide that went from American families. They listen to jazz. They listen to classical music. They listen to some regional music. Like people here would, you know, probably listen to bluegrass and something along those lines. But um, now we have slid. <laughs> There's no denying that, like, the cultural output has slid down a scale measurably for like a really long time now. And what's popular now, it, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I don't know if it started with Guns and Roses or not, but like, I mean, any, you know, any of those. I mean, you know, a lot of people used to blame this shit on Elvis and his dance moves, right? <laughs> you know, like like saying this, that that's really where it all started. But I, I can remember reading, you know, like these interviews with Frank Zappa, and he would say, you know, back in the in the 60s and the 70s, you know, you'd have the fat cats with their cigars in the back rooms at MCA or RCA or whatever the fucking big record label was back in the day, Warner Brothers. And, um, you know, and they would say, well, shit, you know, I mean, I don't know who this Black Sabbath bullshit is, but maybe the kids will like it. Give them, you know, five thousand dollars and tell them to make an album and, you know, throw it out there. And, you know, there it is. There's there's Black Sabbath. <laughs> And now, you know, they won't do it. They, I mean, and he was complaining about this in his own lifetime. And I, I, I don't remember when he died, but it was at least, I think, 20 years ago. And I think it's gotten probably a lot worse out there since then. Are you talking about like taking a chance on something that may not be commercially popular? Or? And putting a commercially viable amount of money behind it. Yes. Yeah, right. So in other words, taking something that wouldn't necessarily be obvious, but still, quote unquote, giving it a chance, you know? I, I think you are correct. It is all, it's a lot more profit margin focused these days, I guess. And I, it's not even just profit margin focused, it's stream focused, because everything is measured, like metrics are measured in streams now. I mean, I think it's, it's like, like that even in like 
supposedly underground things like black metal like you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's very it's gotten really weird man like uh, i i have a very kind of love hate relationship uh mostly hate with uh social media and streaming and the idea of business as it relates to music it's it seems to be a largely um well i was going to say diff impossible but difficult is probably a more truthful um task to uh grapple with it and keep your wits about you and not uh get totally insanely depressed you know what i mean but i guess like the, 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 the it's a double-edged sword because you've got the negative aspects that you were talking about with all that stuff but the positive aspect is that you have these completely niche obscure projects and bands mm. that would find it very difficult to reach an audience that connects with them without that stuff happening. I, yeah. I mean, there were always ways in the past, but it's made it much easier for those people to find like-minded individuals who connect with their project. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think about, you know, the old days with people talking about old blues artists or something in the 1920s who made a living on it from going from one house party to the next across the deep South and black metal tape trading. And, you know, I mean, there's always been ways I, I personally, I, on a good day, I share your sentiment and on a bad day, I struggle with the idea of, putting music out there and just kind of feeling like it's just falling on deaf ears, I guess. And, you know, this music that that I'm doing anyway is, is decidedly not trendy. It's very niche um, for better or worse, you know, good, better. Otherwise it is what it is. It's, it's, it's unusual music. It's, it's hard to categorize. Um, and at times, I mean, it is pretty extreme. So yeah, it, uh, it so- is. It, it, it is, is all the uh, fun stuff, you know, the marks. Right. That's I, I mean, I kind of feel like, um, okay. So like to, to touch back to what I was saying about the, you know, the mainstream music and, and versus some, all right. Like the split in the fifties, for example, from jazz and so-called popular music, which eventually became rock and R and B and rap and all the rest of it that we know now. Um, I feel like one of the things that happened that can be kind of corrected or whatever uh, is that especially it started arguably with bebop, but I uh, went for sure by the time free jazz became a thing that the music became too much for people who aren't musicians, which I think is an error, like on our end, on the musicians part. Like if the people can't listen to this shit and make some sense out of it and can't get some sense, some idea of what the artist is going for. Like, I I don't, it seems to be kind of too self-serving and self-interested or whatever. So the goal with like Moonlight, for example, is to try to take ideas that are, like I said earlier, proggy, um, but are, or whatever, call it jazz, call it prog, whatever. I don't care. It's, it's that stuff mixed with, um, something like black metal and country music. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, you know, kind of totally insane in a way, but also the goal is to try to keep it kind of grounded and up in the clouds at the same time. I feel like that's an honest statement as to what people are. People have their feet on their ground and their heads in the clouds, pretty much all of us all the time, somehow. 
And I try to use the kind of folk and country elements to ground it, the metal elements to energize it and the more jazz, classical, prog, whatever elements to color it in ways that I haven't seen other people do that I think are moving to me and more accurately get my point across, which could be done like without any of my fucking ranting. You're right. Like my goal is like, you should be able to listen to what I'm putting out and, and, and you hopefully feel it and get something from it. And it, it produces some sort of response in you other than like, Oh yes, this is excellent. Scandinavian second wave, you know, like whatever, like, I don't care about that stuff. Like, (laughs) you know, like I, it's like, I want to like create an actual reaction in the person deeper than gentle, uh, intellectual slash ego stimulation or something if uh if that makes sense well i think like that's the strength of your projects in that case because you're achieving what you want to do with your goals and your reasons behind it but it's not completely self-serving because ultimately you're trying to connect with the listener Um, yeah i mean i am yeah at this point yes definitely because you have i mean there's certain it's specific within genres to some extent but there are just bands out there that like you said, with uh, free jazz self-serving, it's created for the person because they want to make it. They don't care if the listener connected or feels anything. I think that's um, true in black metal and a, a lot of stuff, man. Like it, that's a very 20th century attitude that came up with the rise of like avant-garde things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that this whole genre is like, kind of like that. Like, to some extent, I feel like noise, harsh noise is a very self-serving genre. I mean, it's not one of those things that, a lot of people like listen to that and be like, oh, this really makes me feel something. It's the artist. I want to make this because this is, I think is awesome type thing. I'm, I'm okay with listening to that for that reason. I love harsh noise, but I I can accept the fact that a lot of the projects out there is very self-serving. Sure. Sure. I I think that's kind of an, also a natural byproduct of the modern, like ultra modern, like right now thing happening where we, we don't really know what's going to come of anything anymore. So people are just, I think, uh, I think if I might speak for a lot of artists as a whole of no specific genre, they just feel like, fuck it. Like, what's the difference? Like, I don't know if anyone's ever going to hear this or not. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And uh, just a kind of general, a generalized fuck it uh, attitude, which I think would have been considered pretty abhorrent back in, you know, 70 or 80 years ago is now more or less prevalent it seems to me anyway well i mean i i understand exactly where it's coming from it's the fact that if you don't know that people are going to even like hear it or care when they hear it you might as well make something that makes you happy personally and that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish sure which which is not unreasonable no not at all it's uh it's tough i mean it's a like you said it's a very weird time in history for humanity and music, very weird. The world is a very strange place right now, and it's changing at like the fastest <laughs> rate it's ever changed in human history. It's um, pretty weird. It's pretty weird out there. I I don't really know even how to check the pulse on it anymore, really. Um, but I do know I can get lost in worrying about it, or I can focus on what. 
like insanely small amount I can control, which right. is practically none of it. Cause that definitely doesn't include me a lot of the time. Um, but I can at least like commit myself to writing to the overall vision of moonlight to extrapolating it as much as possible to expanding upon it, to making it better, to like learning about better recording techniques and, you know, whatever, just try to not be suicidal and all that, you know? Uh, I, I guess like you kind of have to look at it from the positive side of things in that there's been an improvement in the standard of like, you know, of life for the average person that's <clears> never been seen before. That's increased in like, well, I mean, it's kind of yeah. a tipping point now where it's declining, but for a long, for the last 30, 50 years, the average standard of living for the average person is just, been phenomenal in a lot of countries compared to every other point in history yeah um and but what comes with that is that rapid cultural change um which is what we're talking about here because you, you can't really have that technological change without the cultural change sort of having to keep pace with it to some extent i know what you're saying i think for me personally my life is so materialistically comfortable that i fall into these traps where like if i feel a little bit of anxiety about something i immediately go into these large scale existential um freak outs that i feel like i have to take seriously because they're happening in my mind which has largely proven to be untrue in reality <laughs> The, tr the trick is for me is that like I know that that's in this that music falls into my skull the same way ridiculous thinking does and so it's it's a, a challenge sometimes to discern which is worth pursuing and which is not um but again to try to um, at least sound like a sane person I know that I can only do so much and so a lot of a lot of like moonlight was really just saying i don't know what's happening in the world but i'm not working right now a job a, a, a job quote unquote i'm working my ass off but um we have these albums this music more of it's coming like i did a i plotted out a timeline for 2022 and like if all goes as planned and i'm hoping that it can and i'm hoping i can sustain all this like we're actually gonna put out 11 albums next year which wow. is That's like impressive wow like all EPs like, or <clears throat> yeah yeah like so i okay so there's vile hate 2 is ready um arcane marrow 2 is recorded I'll do another Devil's Looking Glass, which is the dark folk thing. We started, the the guy that plays keyboards for Primeval and Spintria, his name is Edward. Uh, we started a thing. We both really big classical music fans and um, have been for a long time. And we joked about starting a project based on Stravinsky. Um, uh, which I'm not sure if either of y'all are familiar with him, but he was a Russian classical composer made a, he was very famous in his lifetime. I guess his most famous piece is the Rite of Spring. And when he premiered it in Paris and I, I believe 1913, but it could be a different year. I, I can't recall exactly. They rioted. And I think it's the only time in classical music history that people reacted so strongly to something like that. <laughs> And so we, we joked about saying like, man, we should like, you know, create this thing where it's a quote unquote symphonic black metal thing where instead of going the Dimu route or whatever, we, we take influence from Stravinsky and like real classical music, especially 
dissonant stuff. So that's happening. That thing is that that thing is done, um, almost done anyway. And it's gonna have like oboes and cellos and all kinds of shit on it. Are you uh, are you, are you gonna play those like individually done or are you gonna bring people in? No, we're doing it ourselves with MIDI. We got a really nice MIDI thing. So I'm gonna so okay, so like I played guitar, I'll do the vocals, I'll do bass and whatever, and we got a um an outside drummer to play drums on that. Yeah. And then we will program all this stuff and if we end up sticking it out then in the future uh more than like we'll we'll get actual humans to play the classical the so-called classical parts yeah so i had a, a question for you uh because we've got about okay. 15 minutes left of time um okay. i wanted to ask is moonlight cypress archetypes always going to be sort of the output for just your music or are you ever looking at taking on other acts uh, on the label for i planned that for this year and and next year that it would just be my stuff and mm-hmm. after that then i can um kind of assess and see it it does seem like it would be really cool to expand it out from just my own stuff i just mm-hmm. don't really feel like i could do anything worthwhile for anybody else yet if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like it's like, it, I don't, I just don't think it's there yet in terms of it's, visibility. Uh, one, of those, and, one of those things that kind of seems to naturally progress for some people, like, uh, are you familiar with Cursed Monk Records? Um, yeah. 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 Roger, we had Roger on the show um, a little while back and he was telling us he originally just started it as an output source for his own music. It was never actually intended to even be a label. Uh, for other bands right. and he just started having yeah. people contact him and be like hey can we jump on your label we, we like your music so yeah i mean yeah. you never know it might just be one of those things that naturally evolves for you at some point yeah i think i think my my idea on that is like i said just give it a give it a little bit more time and see if people start to materialize who are doing something that's relatively similar like i wouldn't yeah. want to just like release a traditional uh if if i could use that word traditional black metal band or whatever like it just seems kind of like what like why like what what would it do for them what would it do for me i don't know it seems kind of silly but um you know if there were people that were doing like-minded things um yeah i i I think that would be pretty cool actually yeah 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 again you don't want to force it if if it happens naturally then great if not then at least you still got an output source for your specific material Right. Before we wrap up, Brendan normally has a couple of questions uh, he likes to ask everyone, so I'll, um, I'll let him take over with those. All right. Do you like sweet tea? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as much as possible. <laughs> uh, my friend it. lives down south, and uh, he's always yammering on about fucking sweet tea. Uh, right. like, so oh, he's yeah. come up with- <laughs> if you could like open up for anybody, you know, mm-hmm. like live music. Like yeah. do like this like big on like like if you could like recruit musicians and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you uh, could you have like who would you have on there? Man, the first two people that come to mind right now is Sun and a friend of mine named Tyshawn Sori. Um, Tyshawn is this just like brilliant composer, jazz musician, uh, friend of mine that I've I've known since we were kids. And I just, man, I just think it would be so cool to take what some of what he's doing and a band like Sun and something like whether I opened for it or played with it or 
just wrote for them or something. I don't, I don't even care, but that's some stuff that I've been kind of obsessed with lately. And then um, we touched a little bit on like musicians, but like who, uh, who kind of got you into music in the get go, like the very first bands like that I was listening to as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, we're going to go back to embarrassing town. Um, well, I got a, I got a tape Walkman when I was in the first grade and I believe if I remember right, that this kid named Jimmy gave it to me and I took my $5 or whatever. And I got a, I got a Billy Idol tape <laughs> if I remember right. But I mean, I liked, um, I had an aunt that was like super into Metallica and Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. Um, and I found Pantera when I was in like, I don't know, fifth grade or something like that. Um, I actually got into down first somehow. And I remember, but like when I first, I was in like sixth grade or something and I bought great Southern trend kill or whatever, whichever one was out at the time. Yeah. And, and thinking, man, this guy, he's a, fucking copycat for down he just sounds just <laughs> like that guy and yeah all you know mainstream metal bands basically that's what yeah. started it and then i had a i had a teacher a guitar teacher i started playing guitar when i was in eighth grade and he he was like you should you're good you have potential you should not waste it on all this shit you should join jazz band and i did and i you know and so that's that just kind of sent me down that trail and then so for for jazz people it'd just be uh coltrane you know when i was a kid he was he was my yeah. biggest guy so did you have a um a favorite myth american myth um hmm. like you know, i don't know how like people like say like oh, what was it i can't paul revere you mm-hmm. know wasn't like the real guy that did all that stuff like it's like myths like that or like are you like um into like the more like witches and kind of stuff like that I feel like the easiest way to grab to grapple with an idea of what America could be if you were to put it into mythology would be to listen to its folk music. So I realize that's a somewhat indirect answer, but I think if you wanted to grasp mythology in America, listen to the Delta blues people from the 1920s and 30s, listen to the old mountain music, listen to the cowboy songs from out West, read the Native American myths read you know that kind of stuff as far as me having a favorite i don't think that i would say that i do i think it's just that the energy of it all for me is uh very animating and it and it seems to conjure up some sort of part of me that feels very receptive to it and in within my imagination it seems to just spark um an almost like limitless how do I say this um, movement of some sort within my mind that then is easily seems to lend itself to music. Right. So like primeval, mm-hmm. that would be more like you said, witches and uh, mountainside, witches and all this kind of civil war, like, you know, like here in the mountains, the, you know, the, I wouldn't say that they came over as pagans, but they still had a lot of folk beliefs, folk superstitions, folk medicinal practices and so on that were able to survive like a lot later than um, a lot of places. Right. So that sort of feeling is kind of what permeates it. Whereas the sort of like 1970s country, um, 
mythology, if you want to call it, that would be something that animates like Stumptail, for example. Um, and like Spintria is like an intentional like warp between free jazz and um, th the kind of cognitive dissonance of, of like doing that in Nashville, right? Okay, like okay. the most the most like just placid surface level city in in the south and probably in the top five of america um and then also just like the need to just take it a step further and and attach it to some just uh, bordering on arbitrary roman <laughs> mythological thing <laughs> um why i don't man i don't i don't even know i don't, I don't even know how that came about so um but yeah it's kind of funny that you uh you base things on, on those two sort of areas because I'm actually listening to podcasts on both topics right now simultaneously. So it's, oh, really? Yeah, I'll actually I'll send you um, <laughs> the links after this. I don't know if you want to, you might find them interesting if you end up checking them out or something, but they're both sure. really, really in-depth stuff Like they, that takes place right from, I mean, the, the American one goes right from Henry VIII through to yeah. present day, um, and it's incredibly in-depth. Um, yeah. But it's actually focused on the shaping of American identity. Um, that's right. the, the point of the series. Um, and then the, the Roman that's one is just cool. uh, right from prior to the founding of Rome through to the fall of the empire, essentially. Um, yeah. There's a lot of episodes of both. But I'll link you after this. Yeah, that sounds great, man. That stuff is just like endlessly fascinating to me. Like I don't even yeah. care how many times I hear the same, same stories about the founding of Rome. It's just like, man, it's just so cool. Like, you know, I know. like, I, I mean, talk about like starting something when the world is in a period of shutdown. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like trying to start a record label. Those guys founded Rome, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's I, like, I mean, if you listen to it, you'll, you'll hear all this stuff because it has sort of like a different approach to, to Roman history. Some of the other stuff I've read and listened to where it doesn't mm -hmm. paint them initially as this like enlightened conquering race that, Mm -hmm. They sort of rose up into greatness because they weren't. Um, and if you listen to it, it'll kind of tell you they were these kind of backwards barbaric people right. that the rest of Italy hated. Um, <laughs> yeah, were just really, really tough and very good at fighting, and had this religious fanaticism that was very good at culture. kidnapping women too. Yeah, yeah, that story's all in there. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> it covers all that. They, they, they had no women, so they stole the women from all the neighboring yeah. tribes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's I, I, nice. I, I'm not going to get started on that because I could do like a 15 hour talk about that topic. So I'll save yeah. that for another time. But I'll, I'll take it back to Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, but we're almost almost at the time mark, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, we'll just kick it over to you. And one last thing, uh, just let everyone know where they can check the music out. And uh, okay. then I guess the next upcoming thing to watch out for. All right. Yeah. So you can hear all the music at moonlightcypressarchetypes.bandcamp.com. It's also on YouTube. It's also on Spotify. That includes Vile Haint, Arcane Marrow, Existential Dread, Spintria, um, and Primeval Well. Upcoming now is Stumptail. That drops on September 20th, and that is kind of a uh, sludgier, less black metal thing uh, with a lot of doom, some stoner elements, definite Jerry Reed country influence. That drops on September 20th. And thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. It's been great. No, I, um, 
Yeah, we'll definitely have you on again sometime because I mean, you have so many projects and another six to 12 months will be a whole other 11 albums or something to talk about. So, yeah, uh, the more I do it, the easier it'll be to just get to my point. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm just such a fucking rambler. Like, I just get nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even remember what I was just talking about. (laughs) It's not a problem. I I, I never do these things. I always just, I'm like, no, email only. I I hate fucking talking, but I'm, I'm trying to get over that and come out of my shell a little bit. Well, we appreciate you uh, putting yourself out of the comfort zone and coming on Hell the yeah. show. Well, thank yeah, you for yeah, the dude. opportunity. Yeah. I really appreciate it. The first no couple of times yeah, we were doing this, I remember uh, just being like, oh, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You listen <laughs> yeah, to your own it, voice and it's a terrible shock. It definitely, it's so uh, funny, yeah. I tried and I didn't have any experience in like radio or any of that stuff. So it was definitely a... Uh, Oh man, and I meant to ask you about—I meant to ask you about the the new PR business thing or whatever you're calling it. I'm oh yeah, really yeah. I mean, I can do with that a little bit. Yeah. So that just started Monday. You should include that. You should include it in this. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, like when you do your edits, you should you should put this in there because I know a lot of people are going to be interested in it. I am too. Awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's been a, it's been a part of mine. For a very long time um mm-hmm. ever since cave dweller kind of took off i i was like there must be a way that i can kind of do more to make a sort of a way that i can make some money out of it not that i want to make money out of it, but you know i mean if i can do something where this is my living to some extent then that's mm-hmm. that's the dream because i yeah. love doing it um yeah. so that's how i feel. yeah i mean pr was kind of the way i thought i would do it because like i mean you kind of said this with the yourself with the technology side of things there's a lot of people out there who make absolutely phenomenal music but have zero uh tech skills with computers or like social media or any sure. websites or any of that stuff it's just sure. it's a different world to them um, that's what so, i was trapped in for a long time yeah, exactly unless you really make the effort to to educate yourself on it it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people um mm-hmm. and if i can be the guy who helps you connect your fantastic music with people out there who want to listen to it, then that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm not a musician. I, I, I play around with stuff. Like I have like a little electronic pro- like uh, project I play with on the side and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, the way I want to get back is by helping people connect uh, mm-hmm. and, and get the stuff out there, get it to, to people who want to review it, get it to, to radio stations, get it to people in Facebook groups. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's so many ways these days it's one of those blessings we were talking about before of the, the double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can tap into the fact that that potential is there, then it's, it's, it's not all bad. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm trying to start from a point where I want to charge reasonable rates because I'm new to the whole thing myself as well. And I don't think it's fair that I charge full prices that other PR firms who've been established for five or 10 years have uh, are charging. But also yeah. to some extent, I feel like some of those I'm not going to say anything negative about anyone, but I feel like some friends really do kind of gouge people to some extent. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I think every artist, uh, I can definitely name a few that, and I won't, but I just, that people, you know, that I've known that have shelled out thousands of dollars and just got, you know, jack shit out of it. Exactly. And uh, there are some people Facebook out there. Likes. Some, <laughs> yeah, some of it that. I feel is, because uh, <laughs> I mean, I've been running Cave Dollar for a year now um I, mean, I can't tell you how many promos i've received from other companies um mm. and some of it i feel is people trying their best but then just not doing it right 
um, mm-hmm. which I'm, I, I spent the last 12 months studying what not to do. Um, but also been learning from a lot of good people who are really good at what they do and what to do. Um, but there are definitely those out there who have the capability to be good at it, but just screw people over. And I've heard some horror sure. stories of people shelling out, like you said, thousands of dollars. Absolutely yeah. nothing happens. And then <laughs> the person ghosts them. <laughs> yeah, um, I... I feel like that's like, you know, the PR version of the record labels that are promising you everything and they like never even get the tapes made. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like you see that shit all the time, man. It's everywhere. It is. It is. And it, it, it's so prevalent uh, that in fact, if you look at my, my website in the about section or you look at my Facebook page, it's one of the first things I address is that I'm aware of that reputation. Um, yeah. PR. And what I'm going to try and do to the best of my ability is never take on a client that I can't do something for. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of people out there who have very niche uh, projects. And if I don't that, have like suitable connections for that nicheness, or I, I don't feel that I can benefit that person, I'm not going to take their money. Um, that's kind of how I felt when you asked me about the record label thing. Like, would I release other people's music? It's like, well, maybe. I don't, I don't, I would feel really responsible for them. You know what I mean? At least that exactly. album or whatever. And I wouldn't exactly. want to. That's how I feel. Like a good owner would do. Yeah. Feel responsible. Exactly. It's right. not something I take lightly. If someone puts their trust in me and their money and gives me their money, because I know how, like how much people work to try and make their, their projects happen. Like right. you're screwing, you're not just screwing over someone financially, you're screwing over someone's dream. Um, yeah. Because it's it's more than just like it's not like you're buying like sandwich or something from me. You, it's like it's your art, it's your passion. You spend a lot of time and money on this. You know what I mean? It's yeah. And you're not just taking their money; you're tanking the possibility of how well that album could do. Um, right. If it if it had the right connection. That you know I mean? and just kind of contributing to the general decline of uh, civilization as a whole, which I I think <laughs> is. Like what I was saying earlier about me, myself freaking out about existential things and whatever it's, you know, it's like, I don't really know like what this music is going to do or what this label is going to do in the long run or whatever, but I'm definitely like committed to not um, putting out shit, you know, and, and contributing to the shittiness of an already um, in many ways, shitty, uh, planet <laughs> right i mean well it's the same idea as like just not writing like a shitty review you know yeah yeah or like a negative review you know yeah we don't do that because there's so much crap out there so much negativity that it's just not worth it but i mean what's the point there's so much good music that needs coverage that isn't getting it while yes, we waste exactly. time or something exactly right but, yeah i mean with the with the the, the client side of things with my business I, i'm trying to be open-minded with with uh like you know genres and, and bands and stuff because i i'm only going to put out stuff that i personally enjoy um yeah and whether that is high art or just something i find genuinely fun to listen to that i think people other people would find fun to listen to yeah um, that's what i'm going to do because i mean like my first the first band i've been working with nothing is real uh it's a very artistic project boundary pushing experimental stuff but the next artist I've, I've been doing with, I can't say too much because it's only just happening. I mean, we're in talks today. Um, this contract's been sent out. But it's it's the exact opposite. It's just it's fun music that makes me happy personally. And I think other people out there will find it to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so that's the freedom that you'll have in, that, in, in your business, though, too, you know? Mm-hmm. 
you're not you're not going to be you're not going to be stuck um, only doing a certain kind of thing if you're going that direction. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think it makes it it gives you a bit of variety. It keeps it interesting, but also it's like it broadens your horizons and your connections as well. I mean, you're going to meet a lot right. of people from different areas of the music industry if you, if you right. do that sort of widespread. So I think and all PR is really is I mean, apart from the hard like you know the actual labor behind it is a reputation and connections. Um, yeah. that's it really. It's, that's all it is that yeah. and the know how to do like the, the graphic design and run the mailer campaigns and that sort of thing. But that's only, that's sure. half of it. Um, typing all the words yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and dealing with all the non responses. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 And, and not becoming depressed by them. I, I mean, to some extent as well, like it's, it's cynical to say this, but PR is to some extent a numbers game as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sure. because people get hit with so much content on those uh, who run sites. Like I can tell you myself, I get 250 emails a week, some weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and I've got like 1200 unread emails. And I'm not even going to try and catch up. I can't, it's not feasible. It's not possible. Um, so it's an off chance that you, I mean, your stuff can be fantastic. That helps the packaging and presentation to be fantastic. And that helps, but some mm-hmm. of it is the right person seeing it at the right time. Um, and, and that's it's sad to say that, but that's what some of it comes down to. It's like that's why you you can't you have to send a couple of emails out over a period of a few months. You can't just send one and be like, I hope people like it, because yeah. there's a chance they won't even see it in their inbox. Um, sure. Yeah. Anyway, I've rambled enough, um, but that's that's the gist of it for me. Uh, thanks for asking, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was curious about it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's probably a topic I'm going to talk more about over the coming months, but. That's that's probably what I'll say at this point. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, for anyone listening, uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, definitely go check out everything that's on Moonlight Cypress Archetypes and keep an eye out for upcoming projects. Um, you should see some stuff on our site in the next few weeks uh, regarding some uh, the, the upcoming album. Uh, we should. I mean, oh, you, do you want? We can cut this out afterwards if you want. But did you want to sort of announce that we'll be doing the premiere or? Uh, yeah, we can. That was another thing I meant to fucking talk about and just forgot. <laughs> we got carried away with philosophy yeah. and existential topics. All um, existential shit. I do. It's a curse, man. It's just like my brain just goes there instantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like so I just good. like am up in the damn clouds with that shit all the time. <laughs> so keep an eye on our page. Uh, we will be premiering that album. Um, the date hasn't been disclosed yet, but... It will be coming up in the next few weeks. Yep. Uh, so anyway, th- thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll have another interview next time. 